Hello, I'm Rod Butler and welcome to Let God Speak. There's a saying, like father, like son, which is generally true, but there are, of course, exceptions. Take Hezekiah, for example. It's difficult to imagine a son more unlike his father. The reign of his father, King Ahaz, was a moral, political and spiritual disaster. When Hezekiah took control of Judah, he immediately got to work to make things right. Today, we're going to review the reign of Hezekiah and apply what he did to our own lives. On our panel today, we have Gail Fong and Clive Nash. And before we start our discussion, let's bow our heads and have prayer. Gracious Father, as we open the Bible, the Word of God, we ask please for the Holy Spirit to give us understanding and to open our hearts and minds to the truth it speaks. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, the Bible describes King Ahaz as a evil king. He led the king, he led uh, Judah into apostasy he followed the practices of the nations around him, which were pagan, and he desecrated the sanctuary. He also set up pagan altars on every street corner in Jerusalem. And after 16 years of this, uh, he died and his son Ahaz took the throne. Today we're going to focus on exactly what Ahaz did when he took the throne. So Gail, to start off, what's a bit of background? Who was King Hezekiah? Well, I'd like to read from Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1 and 2. It says, Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. And um, so King Hezekiah, he was the 13th king, um, of the southern kingdom of Judah in that line. And he was co-regent under his father Ahaz from 729 to 715 BC. So when his father Ahaz died in 715, he then began his reign solo, the age of 25 and reigned for 29 years. Uh, so he became the sole ruler uh, also about seven years after the northern kingdom had been defeated and had become an Assyrian province. And um, the Assyrians were the most powerful uh, nation no, that the world had seen yes, yeah. to that time. And uh, the Assyrians, um, they, uh, they were getting, well, King Ahaz was actually paying tribute money to Assyria. But even though he was doing that, uh, they still were a threat to Judah. Yeah. Judah also uh, was in a state of idolatry. So when Hezekiah comes to, to reign, he finds himself in a very difficult uh, situation. Mm. Lots of difference. So being in that difficult situation, Clive, what did he do? What was the first thing he did when he came to power? Well, it's interesting to read the next couple of verses there in uh, 2 Chronicles 29 and uh, verses 3 to 5, um, bearing in mind that uh, the prophet Isaiah also records some of the history to do with uh, Hezekiah because Isaiah was contemporaneous yep. with Hezekiah, uh, ministered to the southern kingdom of Judah. 
for about 30 years. But here in verse 3, it says, in the first year of his reign, uh, Hezekiah wasn't letting the grass grow under his feet. Hmm. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. So, you know, this you mentioned about the desecration of the temple. Mm. Uh, he was setting about restoring the, the act of worship and the, the, the cleansing of this temple. Verse 4 Then he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square. So, he, he's restoring not only the building, but also the, the celebrants, the, the Levite and mm. the Levitical priesthood. And he said to them, Hear, Levites, now sanctify yourselves. <clears throat> or um, my marginal reference there for sanctify says, Consecrate yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Well, um, I understand it took many days to remove all the rubbish that had been stored in the sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Hezekiah was, was very quick to reinstate the worship of the true God and also to root out uh, this idol worship that had been going on for so many years. You get the impression that uh, while he's a co-regent under his father, his, his wicked father, he's chafing at the bit to when his father can die and he can right these wrongs. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah. so Gail, tell us, how did the people respond to uh, Hezekiah's reforms? Well, uh, reading on to the end of that chapter, chapter 29 and verse 36, we read then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people since the events took place so suddenly. So the people responded positively to Hezekiah's decisive action. And um, as, he, as the temple was restored, as um, Clive has said, and as the morning and evening uh, temple uh, worships were reintroduced, services were reintroduced, there was great rejoicing. And the amazing thing is, not only was it the daily activities, but we read on and we find in Second Chronicles chapter 30 and verse 26 that uh, they also celebrated the Passover. Mm. And um, it, it says in this verse that so there was great joy in Jerusalem for since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Mm. So it's been over mm. 200 years since they've been able to celebrate Passover. And mm. so this was a cause for great rejoicing. Mm. I think this this highlights the importance for um, for each of us mm. to be spiritual leaders, make a difference. Yeah, so this highlights, as you say, the importance of being a leader because people follow the leader. Mm. Mm. Okay, I want to um, just read a verse now. Se turn to Second Kings uh, chapter 18 and verse 13. Um, it says here, Now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them. Now, the archaeologists tell us this happened in 701 BC. <clears throat> but we've got to think here that the temple services had been restored for 14 years. The people had been in revival, um, reconnected with God for 14 years. And more importantly, Hezekiah, and there's now a crisis, but Hezekiah is spiritually ready and the people are spiritually ready. Their faith has grown mm -hmm. in this time period. We contrast this to his wicked father Ahaz, who when a crisis came in his day, what did he do? He resorted to his own means and he rejected God. Mm. And the lesson for us today is what do we do first? We put God first. 
mm. as, as Hezekiah did. First thing he did was get everyone back to God. And then we build our faith daily. And so when the big crisis comes, our faith is ready. And this is what we saw there. So, Clive, <clears throat> what actions did Hezekiah take uh, in this crisis? Well, he, he did all he could to defend Jerusalem. Um, and uh, there's quite a bit of archaeological evidence for some of these, you know, like Lakish letters and so on, mm. um, to relating to the overthrow of various other cities. But he made sure that Jerusalem wasn't going to fall if he could help it. Um, a few years ago, I had the privilege of walking through what they call Hezekiah's Tunnel. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and he built a... a he didn't build it himself personally, obviously, but he had built uh, a 533-metre-long tunnel to bring water from outside the city inside mm. and then to stop up the springs outside so that any enemies that came besieging the city didn't have access to any water, but they had water inside the city, so they, their water was sure. And uh, it's a remarkable tunnel. You know, mm. Over that 533 metres, it only falls... Um, 30, cent 30 centimetres, uh, but it's enough for the flow of the water. And I understand too, they built, from, they dug from both directions and met right in the middle. Yes, you know, they're, they're very serious on how they, they got yes. to do it, where they did soundings <clears throat> from up on the surface, you know, to, to echo, sort of yeah. guide people how they were digging. But um, it, it wasn't the only thing he did. He made shields and weapons mm. so that they had not only the good supply of water, but also things to defend themselves with. Um, if we go over to Second Chronicles again, Second uh, Chronicles chapter uh, 32 and uh, verses 7 to 8, we read here where he gave encouragement to the people, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him, for there are more with us Who's he referring to here? He's talking about the divine power, isn't he? Yes, yes. There are more with us than with him. With him is the, an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by these words of Hezekiah. Yes. Now, Hezekiah and the people were in, in Jerusalem. Gail, what was happening out in the countryside? Mm. Well... Uh, Isaiah writes about this in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 36 and verse 1, uh, reading there it says, Now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, he He'd conquered a lot of ground there. Um, Sennacherib's prison in the British uh, Museum states that because Hezekiah had not submitted to Sennacherib's authority, he besieged and captured the 46 fortified cities. And interestingly enough, um, he took back, uh, I was reading the notes here, 200,150 um, captives mm. and many livestock as well. So... Um, I guess that's a great victory there for Sennacherib. And one of those cities that he conquered was the walled city of Lachish. And um, Lachish was brutally wiped out by Sennacherib and his army. So the siege, the battle and the cruelty of the Assyrians is shown uh, on the Assyrian reliefs and also in the British Museum. 
I haven't been there. But important to note that Sennacherib's campaign is recorded in the Bible. It's also in the Assyrian annals and the Assyrian reliefs and excav excavations at Lachish. So um, this is a powerful example that the Bible is true and trustworthy and that um, archaeology confirms Isn't the Bible. is it wonderful when archaeology can confirm what the Bible says? Yes. Mm. Fantastic. Okay, I want to read another text now. Just turn again, we're in 2 Kings uh, chapter 18. This time we're going to read uh, verse 17. And it says, And the king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rabsaris and Rabshakeh from Lachish to King Hezekiah with a great host against Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they were come up, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is in the highway of the Fuller's Field. The point I'll read about this is that King Sennacherib sent his uh, delegation. Now, these, these uh, titles are in the King James a bit strange, but um, basically the Tartan was like the four-star general. Mm -hmm. He was the, the boss of the army. Uh, the Rabsaris, he was the, the head honcho of the court. Uh, he ruled over most of the court. And the Rabshakeh, was, he was the, literally the cupbearer, but actually he was more like the confidant of the king, you could call him a foreign minister, uh, a high court official. These were the people trusted and they came with a great host. Mm. So this was a serious message that was being given to, um, to Hezekiah and uh, the king wanted to uh, make a point. So how was this message delivered, Clive? Well, if we go back to Isaiah, his record of it again. Isaiah 36 and verse um, 13 uh, it says here, the, the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice. And notice the language that he used. Mm. He called out in a loud voice in Hebrew, which was the language of the people inside the wall, of course, in the city. Uh, he called out in, in Hebrew and said, hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. <laughs> um, he wanted the people who were inside the city, obviously, you know, you're going to listen to what I'm saying here. And uh, what he's saying, of course, is, is pretty, uh, what should I say, boastful? Yes. Yeah. The great king. <laughs> so he gave that message for a specific reason. What's your take on that, Gail? Well, um, in Isaiah 36, verse 11, uh, the Bible says, Then Elkayim and Shebna and Joah said to the Rabshakeh, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it, and do not speak to us in the Hebrew in the hearing of the people <laughs> who are on the wall. Mm. Just like I was yeah. saying. So the message, um, it was, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. And um, they were trying to intimidate, and yeah. Th yeah. particularly because the Jews on the inside of the wall could hear what they were saying yeah. and understand. So, yeah. yes, deliberate deliberately intimidating um, and undermining the morals um, of the Jews. Now, I just need to, to move on a bit here with that message. I mean, that message basically was um, a message saying that you can't trust in Egypt. Uh, you cannot rely on the Lord. He won't help you. Mm. Um, God's on Sennacherib's side. And basically, when you go through that message, uh, because it's in... From Isaiah 36 verses 4 to 20. I won't yeah. read it now, but mm. when you break it down, there's a mixture of truth and error in that. 
and it's, it show, highlights the total propaganda designed to intimidate and to undermine morale. Yeah, verse 15, you can't depend on the Lord, for example. Um, don't say that the Lord will surely deliver us. What, is it, you know, what has he done for some of the other cities that we've overcome? That's right. Mm. That's right. And, and furthermore, he, uh, he, he says in verse 10, claims in verse 10, that it was actually Israel's God who had sent him. Yeah, yeah. So, Clive, while you're on that point, what did Hezekiah do? Just moving on now, what did Hezekiah do um, once he got this message? Um, well, he, uh, he wanted to take it to the Lord. He knew that Jerusalem was helpless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the, the forces that were arrayed against them were, were far outnumbered, yeah. you know, the, the resources of the people in Jerusalem. But, um, you know, he wanted to, to take it to the Lord, um, to lay it out before the Lord, as yes. it says there. And uh, it says in, in chapter 37 um, that Hezekiah received the letter, verse 14, from the hand of the message. So it was a written uh, mm. communication and went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And he prayed to the Lord. This is a good lesson for us, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, that when we are faced with apparently insurmountable obstacles, you know, take it to the Lord in prayer, as the hymn says. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And what did God tell Isaiah to tell Hezekiah? Gail? Um, well, in Isaiah 37 and verse 6 and 7, we read, and I, I love this actually, by the way, I love how God responds. So, and Isaiah said to them, thus you shall say to your master, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Um, surely I will send a spirit upon him and he shall hear a rumour and return to his own land and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. So basically God is saying, don't be afraid. Um, and this is a similar message that was given to Joshua when he took mm, over from Moses yes. in Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Be strong and be of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And it's good for us to remember these things. So God in his grace and mercy, he does not want us to be, to be fearful, to be afraid, to, um, to worry because mm. he is a mighty God. And um, Sennacherib had defied God and God was actually going to step in and he was going to have the final say. Yes, yes. And um, what a lesson we can learn there too, because we all have crises and we have to also Amen. Uh, have yes. that, that faith and um, not be afraid. Now, if, in Isaiah 37 and verse 7, um, it does say, Behold, I will send a blast upon him and shall, he shall hear a rumour and return to his own land, and I'll cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. It seems to me there's suddenly a bit of a distraction here for Sennacherib, mm. Mm. and he disappears for a little while. And, uh, but he comes back later, and he comes back again with a mighty army, and this time he's got another message. Clive, what's this new message in uh, 37, 10 to 13? Well, verse uh, 10 there, yeah. um, Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, uh, this is Isaiah, um, the king of Jews is saying, do not let your God, uh, this is, sorry, the, uh, the Assyrians are saying, 
Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given to the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the, the, uh, the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them, and shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom my fathers have destroyed? And he lists number of them there. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a dispiriting message mm, mm. that he's trying to give here. Mm. In other words, cave in, you know, you've got no hope. <laughs> and this letter was written, it was a written letter. Gail, what did you do with the letter? How did he respond? I love what he did with the letter. Uh, the Bible tells us in, um, that he took this message into the temple and he laid it before the Lord mm. and he prayed. <laughs> Where do you take your problems? But to the Lord. And it says that in verse 14 of Isaiah chapter 37, and Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Mm. So that's an important lesson also also for myself and for every one of us to take our troubles to the Lord mm. in prayer. And it's interesting too that um, this message, when you look at it, this message, you wonder why did he, you know, go back to the temple when God had already answered his prayer that everything would be okay, but he still prayed and he put it before the Lord. Um, there's a lesson there for us too, that once we've, we keep praying until the, the prayer is answered. That's exactly <laughs> yes. right. Um, how did God respond to this prayer? Clive? Uh, sorry, Gail, how did he respond to the prayer? Well, uh, we find that God told Isaiah to take another message to Hezekiah in Isaiah chapter 37, and it's from verse 21 uh, onwards to 29. And it's a message from God this time to Sennacherib. And it's really quite a message. But one of the verses there, verse 29, um, this is amazing. Because your rage against me and your tumult have come up to my ears, therefore I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips, and I will turn you back by the way yeah. which you came. That's pretty strong words to Sennacherib yeah. from the true and living God. So, and I also love this bit that... Um, how God does it in Isaiah 37 and verse 36. We read, Then the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. That's a, an amazing defeat by one, uh, one angel. Uh, so Sennacherib then returns to Nineveh and he goes to worship in the house of his God. The, the Bible story goes on in verse 38. And sadly, he comes to his end by mm. the hand of his own children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you look at that second uh, message, though, that mm. second message, it's almost like he's praying for God to vindicate his, his holy name. Yeah. And I think to myself, how often would I pray a prayer, not so much for my own dilemma, but that God's name would be glorified. It's a good lesson yes. for us, isn't it? That yeah. you know, Hezekiah was jealous for the reputation of God. Yes, mm. yes, and that, that comes through. Now, Satan couldn't actually get hold of, uh, through Sennacherib, Jerusalem. So he goes after who? He goes after Hezekiah. Clive, what happens now to, uh, to poor old Hezekiah? Okay, well, um, chapter 38 in Isaiah, 
It says, verse 1, In those days Hezekiah was sick, and it was a serious illness that he had. It says he was near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Abos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Uh, So he'd been on the throne uh, for 14 years. Uh, Judah had been reformed from apostasy. The Assyrians uh, hadn't yet been destroyed, but now Hezekiah is stricken down with this fatal illness. Uh, It was so serious that Isaiah comes and tells him, set your house in order, Hezekiah. Mm. Now, when you think about that, Gail, how would you feel, how would you feel, Clive, if you're sick and someone who you know is connected with God said, the Lord showed me you're going to die. Now, in this case, it was Isaiah. Mm. He'd been a prophet for more than 30 years. Yes. Um, you'd think what? You think you probably should believe it, set your house in order and, and just accept God's will. But what did he do? But Hezekiah didn't do that. Uh, in Isaiah 38 and verse uh, 3, I think it is, he sa- and said, he prays to God. He says, remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And the Bible says, and Hezekiah wept. Bitterly, He knew God was sovereign, but yeah. he wrestled with God in prayer. And uh, Hezekiah knew it was not useless to pray because he was a man of prayer. And um, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And God answered his prayer. And, and again, what, what a lesson. When it, when it all looks like it's black and not going to, it's impossible. We just keep praying. Amen. Mm. Never give up. Never give uh, up. Yeah, I don't have a problem with Hezekiah pleading with God. Um, what I, I do have a problem with is, you know, I think of Matthew chapter 26, for example, in verse 39, where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows that he's going to be crucified. He's going to give up his life for, for the world. And he says, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Mm. Um, it would have been nice if we'd seen that element in Hezekiah's prayer. I want to get well. Look at what I've, how faithfully I've served you, but not as I will. And that's an will. excellent point, Clyde, because what actually happens in the story? He's got an extra 15 years of life, mm. but what happens? Well, um, unfortunately, he, um, when he had opportunity with the Babylonians who came, uh, the ambassadors who came to see him, um, well, I think we have to t- look about the, the rest of the story there. Um, some well, amazing that things sign happen. from the Lord, didn't he, where the sundial went back 10 <laughs> yeah, degrees? Yeah, there was a sign given, an astronomical, an astronomical and that, sign. And that sign yeah. attracted the, the world. Yes. You saw it. Well, and Babylonians uh, were great astronomers yeah. and probably astrologers as well. Yeah. Mm. Yes, no, there's, there's very much a lesson there for us today. Hezekiah was a man of faith and he was a man of action. As king and spiritual leader, he immediately turned Judah back to his God. His faith and leadership brought material blessings to Judah, and this allowed God to work a miraculous deliverance from the Assyrians. When he became sick, he did not cease to pray to God, and he was healed. Today we live in a troubled world, and we need to build our faith and trust in God too. When trials and troubles come and our situation seems hopeless, we pray and trust in God to deliver us. We are glad you're with us today on Let God Speak. You can watch any past program on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Teachers Helps can be downloaded from there. 
you can email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Do join us again next time and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.